0: You are listening to Primary Care Perspectives, a podcast where pediatric experts from Children's Hospital of Philadelphia and other guests discuss primary care issues that are on their minds and the hot topics that all pediatricians see affecting their daily practice. This podcast is for general informational and educational purposes only and is not to be considered as medical advice for any particular patient. Clinicians must rely on their own informed clinical judgment in making recommendations to their patients. Hi, I'm Dr. Katie Lockwood, a primary care pediatrician at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. And today I'm talking about postpartum depression in dads, We are familiar with the concept that maternal, prenatal, and postpartum depression is prevalent and has negative personal, family, and child developmental outcomes. In fact, 15 to 20% of mothers experience significant depression or anxiety. However, it may be less well known that fathers may also experience postpartum depression. Teaching us more on this topic is Dr. David Levine, a pediatrician and board member of Postpartum Support International. Welcome, Dr. Levine. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you? So tell us a little bit about yourself before we get started.
1: Sure. So I am a uh, board certified uh, general pediatrician in New Jersey. been working for about the last almost 16 years. And roughly half of that time I spent without children and half that time I have spent with children. So just like many of our peers, I knew a little bit about postpartum depression. And in the state of New Jersey, we actually are required by law to screen for it But that requirement is basically, you could use the Edinburgh depression screen, or you could just ask the question, and it's kind of open-ended. And I, you know, I did what little I thought I was supposed to do, and then I had kids. And I didn't realize until that time that a father could suffer from postpartum depression, which I did with my first child roughly almost uh, about seven and a half years ago. And then four years later, when I had my second child, I suffered through a, a lesser version of it again. And in between that time, I became involved with Postpartum Support International, where I've been on the board for the last three years, and I've begun talking more about my experiences, and I began to feel more and more strongly, and I thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak, because I think our peers in pediatrics and in general practice, we're the only doctors who oftentimes will see a father. So it's imperative that we realize that this is not strictly a maternal issue, It's a parental issue, and we have to be aware that both parents can suffer from it, but it can look very different, and oftentimes it goes completely undiagnosed in fathers, and that can be profoundly negative to a new family.
0: Well, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Let's get into a little bit, since you mentioned that this is not often well-known by pediatricians, so what is the prevalence of postpartum depression for dads?
1: So it's believed to be a one in 10, whereas mothers is believed to be between one in five and one in seven. But there was a study done a couple of years ago that was done in a primary care, like family health clinics in Indiana. And they found that the rates were roughly equal. And it's well known that men, not only do we not seek care, uh, we also downplay any of our mental health issues. So it's very difficult to really know how many fathers suffer from it. But it is likely to be, if it's not exactly the same as mothers, it's probably pretty close.
0: That's really interesting. And the postpartum depression that we screen for in moms typically occurs within the first one to two months after birth. Is that the same time frame that we see for dads?
1: By the book, no. Men typically start to show symptoms between three and six months. And you're correct, women are usually much earlier. But I think part of the reason that it goes, I don't think it's necessarily later in men. I just think when it actually gets diagnosed is closer to the three to six month mark when it's already been festering and lingering. Because I wasn't diagnosed until about the eight week mark, but I had been having symptoms since probably the first or second week.
0: And is postpartum depression for dads correlated with postpartum depression in moms or does it usually occur independently?
1: So it can go either. The single most important thing to know Is that if a mother is suffering, there's a 50% chance that their partner, still oftentimes a man, but it could be another uh, another woman, will suffer from it as well. So there is definitely, and it goes back and forth, if the man is suffering, there's a higher chance that their spouse will suffer as well. But it can occur independent of the mother having any postpartum depression symptoms.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really great point that you mentioned that we're using or I'm using the term mom and dad, but this could be any parental partners who are co-parenting a child.
1: Yes, this can occur if you're adoptive parents. Mm -hmm. It's a mistake to believe that only the birth parent can suffer from this because there's still this belief that it's hormone based, that it has to do with the actual birth itself. And in fact, that's not true and also parents that are not the actual biological parent can actually undergo some of the same hormonal changes without actually carrying the, the child.
0: Mhm. Yeah, that's a great point. That it's not always this biologically driven process. So, we've been talking about depression specifically so far, but how common are anxiety disorders in the perinatal period?
1: The truth is we don't have a lot of great data on the prevalence. When I say postpartum depression, what I'm, I'm kind of more generally speaking of are perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, or PMADs is what they're sometimes called. And that encompasses both depression and anxiety. I don't know of any data that actually breaks it out into depression and anxiety, since a lot of times they're intertwined and typically starts as one and develops into the other.
0: Mm-hmm. That's a great point, how they progress and sometimes are comorbid with each other.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So What are some of the causes of perinatal mood disorders in parents? So
1: it's a combination of factors. So just like I was saying, it's not just hormones. Clearly, having prior mental health issues increases the likelihood of having a perinatal issue for either sex. Lower socioeconomic status. Teen parents have higher risks than adult parents. As a woman, if you had significant mood issues around your periods, you are more likely to have some postpartum issues as well. But it also gets to cultural expectations, cultural attitudes towards fathers. A lot of these play a role in it. And, you know, we're dealing right now with a generation of fathers like myself who we want to be very involved in our children's lives. we were raised by a generation of fathers who didn't necessarily feel that way and so we don't have the same role modeling to go through like most of us were not babysitters if we had younger siblings we were not responsible for taking care of them you know when a woman gives birth women like my wife for instance would call these people when she needed help but fathers don't really have that like we don't necessarily talk to other dads about this type of thing if we even have a lot of friends and that's one of the issues is that men don't have a lot of really strong social relationships, at least not at the level that you need to really protect yourself. Mm -hmm. Most of the time we're heavily invested in our spouse and everything else is more superficial. And that also puts us at significant risk because we don't have anybody to talk to, to confide in when we're suffering from this. And that leads us to believe that we're the only ones going through this and that makes us lesser fathers. This is what we're supposed to be. How are we screwing this up? And it's just this terrible loop of thinking of this negative pathways of thinking that if they don't get treated, they can continue on past the postpartum period.
0: Yeah, And I think it's really important that you acknowledge the social stigma piece there that we need to overcome on a society level, a cultural level.
1: Absolutely. If you look at women, you have the Chrissy Teagans of the world. You have Brooke Shields. You have a lot of famous women talking about some of the pressures and some of the difficulties that they had. And that has gone a long way towards other women feeling like, oh, this person had this and it makes it easier to talk about a good example. I could give you is when my wife was pregnant in between children, uh, she had a miscarriage and up until that time, didn't know anybody who had a miscarriage. And then she mentioned it to a friend Mm -hmm. and she's like, oh, I had a miscarriage in between my two kids. And then she mentioned to another friend, it's like, oh, all of a sudden you realize all these women had miscarriages and you realize it's far more common. But in the beginning, you're like, oh my God, this is like, everybody looks so happy, so they must be doing it right, and and something we did was wrong. Well, that's how it goes with dads too. We don't have anybody that we can look at and say, they had a hard time, it's okay if I'm having a hard time too, and that only worsens the stigma.
0: And so given the prevalence of both depression and anxiety in the perinatal period for dads, how can we include them in screening questions during either obstetric or newborn care?
1: so this is something that i've talked to the nursery at my local hospital about first and foremost you don't ignore the dad a lot of times and i'm as guilty as the next person of having done this before you would walk into a nursery there's mom and dad you're looking at the baby and you address mom and you don't look at dad you don't even acknowledge dad. i've seen i've been on the receiving end of that the nurse comes in they don't ask me any questions they just focus on mom obviously there's a reason for that to some degree but in the very beginning, nobody asks how the other parent is doing. I don't know if obstetricians do this with their, when the woman is with them, but I know that myself and most of my peers, we rarely address that. And so one of the first things you have to do is not ignore the father. You know, as I said, in New Jersey, we have to screen, but a lot of this just comes to education since most people do not even know this is a thing. Once they find out that, oh, there's another parent that we have to think about, once it's in your head, you start to think about it. And once you start thinking about it, it's a simple matter of, as opposed to just handing an end to one parent, you hand it to both parents. Okay, so you don't bill for it or whatever. But it does not take that long. It's very easy to score once you know it quickly. And you can at least, it starts a conversation. I'll grant it that I'm in a unique position because, I can talk about my experiences to families, and so I can look at the dad and say to him, you could have this too. You might have thought about this from just the mother's perspective, but I had this. And I tell them, I had this, and I'm telling you about it because I want you to know that if you're having a hard time, you can talk to me. I'm not going to look down on you. I'm not going to think less of you. You shouldn't think less of yourself. I want you to be successful parents. And so when I talk to people about this, when I've gone to lectures and I've, I've spoken to groups, I now tell everybody, like, you now have no excuse. You can say that you have spoken to somebody, you know of somebody who suffered from this, and you can make this a conversation starter with any and all parents that come into your office.
0: So you mentioned the Edinburgh Postpartum Depression Screener, which is what we use for moms. So we can also use that for dads. Is that what you're telling us?
1: Yes, you can. Apparently, there's also something called the GAD-7. I think it's a a general depression screen, but the Edinburgh is the easier one to use. There's some of my colleagues who work in this field have said that there's talk that the score has to be lowered for men. Because right now, for the most part, it's a score of 10 or above is a positive screen for a woman unless they answer anything positive on the final question about suicidality. But men, because we downplay our symptoms so much that maybe a score of like a seven is more accurate as a cutoff. That is anecdotal. There is no validation of that instrument in that way yet. Mm -hmm. But nonetheless, I think you have to have your ears have to be out for the way that the questions are being asked in the office. If the dad is not there, making sure to ask mom how they're doing, opening that conversation up. And whenever chance you get, is to screen them and if they score an 8 or a 9, you know, just say, you know, how are you doing. Whereas with the mother maybe you would have said, oh, it's less than a 10. I think we're doing okay unless the score has been going up visit after visit. But at least with the dad, if they score for me personally, if they score anything over a 7, I'm asking them a couple more direct questions. But that's just me. I don't expect everybody to do that, but it's not a heavily funded aspect of research so a lot of these things are anecdotal reports small groups of psychiatrists or psychologists who are working on this but it is starting to become a little bit more acknowledged that this is an issue and hopefully with that more research and more money will go into it and trying to figure out how can we decrease the stigma better educate fathers and better validate what they're feeling so that way they will get help
0: Mm -hmm. and as you mentioned it's really just about starting that conversation so it's great that you're doing this education Now, we know that maternal postpartum depression can impact maternal infant attachment and impact child developmental outcomes. Do we have similar evidence that the same is true with dads?
1: We do have some. In the Journal of the American Medical Association Psychiatry back in December 2018, they did find elevated levels of depression in teenage daughters of fathers who were depressed postpartum. So there's two ways to look at some of the data that's out there. There's the data that shows how important a father is in protecting children from these negative outcomes. And you can make the case that a depressed father is a less functional parent and will have adverse effects on these protective things. There's some more research out there that shows that a child of a depressed father is twice as likely to develop a psychiatric disorder by age seven. The question is, that is not specific to a postpartum depressed father but a postpartum depressed father who does not get treatment becomes a depressed father right and it continues and they might never have gotten the label of postpartum but by the time they get diagnosed it might have been going on because we all know in pediatrics as well as in adults there is usually a several year gap between the beginning of symptoms coming on and actually getting help for it because it just gets out of control So my suspicion is that a lot of depressed men who are fathers, some of this may have started in the postpartum period. Another way to look at it is the adverse childhood experiences, the ACEs, Mm -hmm. and you know, probably very well, an increase in ACEs score correlates to a lot of issues in children. So being a depressed father, you can check off eight of the 10 boxes for the ACEs, physical and emotional abuse, physical and emotional neglect, substance abuse, because depressed fathers tend to use a lot more substances. That's something that's a little bit more unique to the father than the mother. Domestic violence, parental separation and divorce. Just myself, I would have checked three of those boxes when I was depressed, when I was going through my issues with my first child. And I knew of some of these things, and I was very, very worried. In fact, probably as worried about myself as i was am i going to have a negative impact on my son because of these symptoms and i think i well it doesn't appear i should say at seven and a half that i have had those negative impacts but i did get help quickly enough that i don't think he was ever really consciously aware of what i was going through but had i not gotten treatment and i continued to be depressed at two three four years of age I would not have made really strong connections and strong bonds with him that he would need later in life, and that would have adversely affected him. And so, like I said, there are many different ways of kind of looking at the effect of a postpartum depressed father on the development of children. There's the direct effects, there's more downstream effects, and then there's just how you're going to look at the scoring of does this count towards an adverse childhood experience? And does the depressed father just start adding more and more negative experiences to the child's life that can add up to issues for them when they get to adulthood?
0: hmm And so now that we've had some education on this and we're going to start these conversations more, do some more screening, what are some of the resources that are available that we can provide to help dads who might be going through this?
1: So in New Jersey, for instance, when we first started screening, that was our big question was okay but what if we find somebody what are we supposed to do mm-hmm. none of us had any idea what therapists were around that worked with fathers or mothers i should say who to turn to what to do and i think ultimately that's what stops a lot of us from doing these screenings and especially in pediatrics where you're asking us to screen the parent and we're here for the kid
0: right
1: a lot of us would sidestep that and say well you know are you doing okay good you're doing okay Because God forbid someone says, no, I'm doing really poorly. And then you're left with, all right, well, well, I don't know what to do with you. I don't know how to help you. As I said at the very beginning, I'm on the board of Postpartum Support International, which is the largest organization, largest nonprofit in the world that is dedicated to the mental health of new parents. Uh, The website is www.postpartum.net. There are links there and information for mothers and fathers they have a monthly dad's chat that they run that's completely confidential. They have a toll-free number that's 1-800-944-4773. That's 24/7 volunteer run that if somebody is experiencing depression or anxiety that is related to the new a birth of a child they can call that number. Someone will be there to talk to them and can help link them to local resources. There is also a on that phone there is a, um, I believe it's number four, it says on the website that you could actually get in touch with a perinatal psychiatrist. Now this is probably a little too far for most, most of us in peds. I don't think I would be comfortable prescribing to a parent, but if I had a real bad situation on my hands, I might have no choice because what if they don't have anybody else to turn to? But speaking to a perinatal psychiatrist can be very helpful in determining, is this a woman or a man who needs hospitalization? What kind of medicine should they be on? It takes a lot of the guesswork out of what do I do next? Where do I refer them next? And that can be very, very helpful. Many states have their own chapters for postpartum support, uh, have their own websites, which anyone who hears this can look up. I believe there's some in Pennsylvania. There are really good programs out there called Bootcamp for Dads and the Good Dad Project that help new and soon to be dads prepare. The boot camp for dads is one of those things where they kind of go through, like, this is what you need to be able to do. And this is where the pitfalls are. This is what happens at this situation. And these can be really beneficial to fathers because most of the time we're like, okay, baby's here and I'll just wing it. And look, obviously it's not 100% of fathers, you know, but if it's 10% of fathers that experience what I experienced, that's still huge. And that means that there's a lot of us who don't just figure it out and they need a little bit more handholding and a little bit more acknowledgement that this is tough. You know, uh, and not to go too off on too much of a digression, but in America, we just sugarcoat everything when it comes to parenting and therefore for men and women, if you're failing, it's on you. It's certainly not on us. I mean, it's not on society or anything, and that's just that's not true. They're not honest enough that yes, this is difficult. It's very rewarding. I wouldn't give it up for the world, but In the beginning, those first few weeks and months can be really terrible and very difficult for a lot of people. And not everybody has the money or the connections or the family close enough to be able to help them. One of the only reasons I'm talking to you right now or able to talk to you right now is that I was a pediatrician, I had some knowledge of this, and I worked at a place where they had behavioral health and somebody knew about postpartum depression. I was the first father they'd ever worked with, which tends to be the commonality with me is I'm always the first father that these people have ever seen because they've all read about it, but they never actually spoke to a man who would actually come out and say that they experienced these things. And that's really bad. That's why I'm very grateful for this opportunity because there are a lot of us out there. And if pediatricians just start asking those questions, we're going to find more of these fathers and we're going to make better lives for these families, which is ultimately all that we care about. We want to be able to make sure that families do well. We want to prevent disease. We don't want to treat disease. And half of the prevention of this is just acknowledging it and telling dads that they can get help and that this is not a bad thing, that this is not a unique thing, and that doesn't make them a bad person. They just need to get some help. And in doing so, a lot of the diseases that we end up having a very difficult time treating later on, I would wager a lot of that could be prevented or at least lessened.
0: Well, thank you so much for shining light on this issue and helping pediatricians learn more about how we can help all parents during this difficult transition into parenthood and beyond. So thank you so much for joining us today and and sharing your story and these resources with us.
1: You're very welcome. And thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Primary Care Perspectives. You can download and subscribe to future episodes on iTunes or visit chop.edu slash PCP podcast for a listing of all episodes. I look forward to our next chat.